Welcome back to Food for Thought. Today we are talking about something probably everyone can relate to. You know that heat rising in your face, tight jaw, clenched fists, just wanting to lash out or hit them feeling? Anger. At least, that's probably what most of us think when we think of anger, but that really is not what anger is. Anger is an emotion, a perfectly acceptable emotion, which varies in intensity from mild irritation to intense fury and rage. But anger is not a behavior, it's a feeling. I'm Carissa McKay, and joining me today is Heather Garo Miller. We are two of your three health promotion specialists, and we're gonna discuss anger. Is it good? Is it bad? Is it a downright dangerous emotion? Or is it something that can be useful to us? Welcome back, Heather. Thanks for asking me to join you, Carissa. Such a great topic because we all feel it. Every one of us has been angry about something. None of us are immune to this. How we react, wow, that's another story. Exactly. We may behave badly when angry, but it doesn't have to be that way. Anger tells us there is something in our life that needs to be addressed. However, addressing it doesn't mean we have to put our fists through a wall or make other people feel like garbage. A million things can tick you off and make you want to blow your top, whether it's being cut off in traffic, the chaos that is going on in the world right now, frustration with the coworker, or being PO'd at something hurtful your partner has said. Anger can be a deeply uncomfortable feeling to experience. Many of us are simply not taught how to deal with anger properly. In fact, anger is often demonized, treated as a bad emotion with no useful purpose, or it is the one acceptable emotion that especially men are allowed to express. Which could not be further from the truth. Anger is a healthy emotion to feel. And as you said, can be a useful sign to signal that something needs to be addressed. It can also be a sign that we need to explore other emotions that we might be feeling. Anger can be present when we feel fear, frustration, sadness, or maybe even helplessness. We might feel hurt and sad, but maybe if we were raised to think that we need to be tough or we should not cry. We try to find other outlets for those feelings through anger, or maybe we feel afraid and hopeless, or we believe that we are being taken advantage of, and we express it as anger to protect ourselves from feeling those other uncomfortable feelings. Exactly. And nobody likes to feel uncomfortable. So you go to what's acceptable or easy or what you've always done. So yeah, as a natural biological response. Anger is necessary. It's necessary for us to get through the day-to-day and it's necessary for our human survival. We both heard a great phrase at a conference this year that mad is just sad's bodyguard. I really like that. And I think it's so bang on because anger helped our ancestors fend off attacks by predators and it helps to activate the needed survival mechanism in our brains when we're under modern day threats like war and predators of all kinds, including deranged humans. But even under a less physical threat, Anger can be helpful. It can boost our energy and activate our passion and make us want to take action. Take, for instance, anger over today's politics. Channeled in a healthy way, anger can motivate you to advocate for change. Or if you see someone being treated poorly, it can activate us to be that good bystander and provide support. So many people, fortunately for us, from the perspective of environmentalism or feminism or any of the things that we're trying to see some action and movement on, people are using that anger to motivate them to do something positive. But if it's not managed and expressed properly, 
anger can wreak havoc on our lives. Expressing anger inappropriately or keeping anger pent up can aggravate chronic pain or lead to concerns like sleep difficulties or digestive problems. There is even evidence that anger and hostility are linked with heart disease, not to mention what it's doing to your relationships and your day-to-day interactions with others. Poorly managed anger often causes people to express anger in ways that don't do a lot of good. Consider how you feel about someone who sounds hostile, rants frequently about topics, and or chooses aggression to communicate. Does their attitude, their tone, and behavior inspire you to want to change, get on board, join the conversation, or do you tune out? Or if the anger is directed at you, do you get defensive and retaliate in kind with the same intensity, further escalating that situation? Rarely does hostility move the needle in the direction we intend it to. On the other hand, if someone assertively, calmly, and rationally expresses that anger, you might be more likely to hear what they say. You may also be more likely to be inspired to shift your behavior and or to get on board with the things that they are so passionate about. So it's not that anger itself is bad, it's how you handle it that determines whether it's harmful. It's funny, actually, that you say that in terms of the people who are sounding hostile or, or ranting frequently, because I know that I have a propensity to rant about a lot of things. And I think that we need to also recognize that sometimes passion can spill very quickly into anger. So there's a whole lot of self-awareness that's involved. We need to be really cautious about, not, and not maybe cautious isn't even the word. Maybe we just need to be more self-aware. So that we can tone down our expression of things so that other people are more likely to listen to them. And I think that we all can learn from that. And I think that we need to be open to that feedback and hearing that and saying, you know what, take it down and not your six, because, you know, then maybe I'll be prepared to listen to you. And so we can all move forward from that and not take it as a, an attack or a gross criticism, but really something that's just going to help us to express ourselves better, including how we choose to express ourselves in terms of anger. So from that perspective, there are four ways that we typically express anger. One of them is not actually ranting, but we'll talk about that later. Three out of the four actual types of anger are typically unhealthy manifestations. So it's aggressive, passive aggressive, and suppressive or passive, depending on you know which book you read or whatever. And then there's assertive. And it's that assertive behavior that you refer to that's typically the route that we should try to follow because it is the healthiest. But quite frankly, it's also the hardest to learn how to do well. So let's take a look at each of those four ways or styles and then see if we can like break that down a little bit into more manageable chunks for people to kind of see where they're at and what they need to do to maybe make some shifts. So aggression can be a physical expression that ranges from posturing So looking like you're, you know, all that in a bag of chips, puffing yourself literally to intimidate to actual physical violence, but it can also be psychological. We may not see our behavior as aggressive because we haven't put our hands on another person, but if we are trying to harm them either emotionally or mentally, and maybe that's not even the purpose or intent, but there is a level of intimidation that is there, then that's still aggression. We communicate aggressively and put others down because very often it makes us feel powerful and confident and alleviates our own deeper insecurities by giving us the illusion of being in control. 
right. Then there is passive aggressive behavior. It is a pattern of indirectly expressing negative feelings instead of openly addressing them. There's a disconnect between what a passive aggressive person says and what he or she or they do. For example, a passive aggressive person might appear to agree, perhaps even enthusiastically with the other person. However, they might express discontent through conversations with others or by refusing to do what is asked or subtly retaliating with actions to harm the other person. We communicate passive aggressively because we want the satisfaction of expressing our anger or hurt without taking any of the responsibility for accepting the consequences of it. Closely related is the suppressive or passive behavior, which might include doing or saying nothing in response, keeping your feelings to yourself, hiding feelings from others, and perhaps even hiding your feelings from yourself. Passive behavior is often dishonest and involves letting other people violate your personal right to be treated with respect and dignity. We communicate passively and just go with the flow because we're afraid. We're afraid that people will think badly of us or judge us if we express what we really want or because we don't want to deal with the drama and the guilt tripping that might happen were we to go along with, or heaven forbid, stand up for what we actually want. Being assertive, on the other hand, means being able to confront that issue with kindness and often a good dose of humility, conveying frustration without blaming others and not insisting on being right. All things that most of us probably don't do that well. And many people, unfortunately, mistake the directness of assertive communication for aggressive communication. And I want to even make it more specific than that and say that when women are assertive, we usually get accused of being bitchy or bossy. And that's not A, fair and B, true. Are there women who are bitchy and bossy? 100%. But I don't think that when we stand up for what we believe in, that that is necessarily us being either of those two B words. I think that there is a lot of learning that has to happen to understand that assertiveness, whether male or female or everything in between, just because you don't agree with something that someone is saying doesn't make you aggressive. It doesn't make you a biatch. It just means that you're standing up for yourself. And if you do it in a way that is those things, not blaming others, not insisting on being right with a good dose of kindness and humility, then that's not aggressive behavior. And people need to accept that and just recognize because they're being told no, that that doesn't mean the other person's being aggressive. So I think that there's like a two-way street here that has to happen in terms of that. But such as it is, a lot of that has to do honestly, with how people have been socialized early on in life to either become overly accommodating or deferential, or to just expect that if you put up that big bulldog front, that people are just going to back down and listen to you. And so there's all kinds of learned behaviors that we need to unlearn. So when people hear the term assertive and they imagine themselves being assertive, maybe for those of us who and I'm not actually one of them, so I shouldn't say us, but for those for those people out there who think that they're being overly accommodating or deferential, or that's how they've been taught to be, that being assertive may feel pushy or rude or somehow disrespectful. And not having a lot of experience with being assertive, that 
solid, positive middle ground between passive and aggressive, it's hard to get to, it's uncomfortable, and it takes a lot of practice. But when you do do that, what assertive communication results in is you respecting both yourself and the other person that you're communicating with. Yes. And assertive communication is almost, almost always the most effective way of interacting with people because it's a an honest expression of how you feel and what's important to you but also b it's respectful of the other people that you're talking to so if we know this then why don't we use this style or this strategy more often i would suggest it's because being assertive means being vulnerable sharing how you feel is vulnerable setting a boundary is vulnerable. Stating that someone hurts you and you prefer they acted differently around you is being vulnerable because you're opening yourself up. You're making yourself vulnerable and susceptible to ridicule, anger, disappointment, rejection, abandonment, maybe even abuse. And all of that is very, very scary. We try to avoid that at all costs most of the time. But assertiveness should not feel like an attack to the other person receiving what you are saying or to yourself. Assertiveness is holding on to our inner power without trying to take power from other people. But the truth is, regardless of how assertive you are, those things that you mentioned, Heather, that ridicule, the disappointment, the rejection, that can all still happen. And those are the things that we, as you said, try really hard to avoid. So we end up in this tension within ourselves of like, how do we navigate that? How do I not be rejected? How do I get what I need? And like you said, that vulnerability is terrifying for most people. So assertiveness is vulnerable, but it's one of the few ways we get to see other people's true colors and they get to see ours. And that's how we develop understanding, compassion relationship. So, you know, there's this huge domino effect that can happen either positively or negatively, should we choose to use assertive communication. How the people then respond to that vulnerability will actually say a lot about them. You know, sometimes we just need to flip that script a little bit and put it out there and then we decide what do we need to do now based on how they respond. And again, that's super hard. It takes practice, it takes time, and you need to practice it in situations that are, so if someone gets angry or disappointed that we were assertive with them, then maybe they don't have our best interest at heart. So then the problem perhaps lies with them and not us. Thich Nhat Hanh says, when another person makes you suffer, it is because they suffer deeply within themselves and their suffering is spilling over. They do not need punishment. They need help. I love that. So how do we deal with our own anger in a constructive way? How do we move towards a place that is assertive rather than aggressive, passive, or passive aggressive? It's the $20,000 question. The $20,000 question, indeed. Well, maybe we need to think about it in a different way. So consider, has this ever happened to you? You know exactly what you want to say, but when you open your mouth to speak, all those elegant, kind, assertive words gone, your inner cranky pants takes over, and everything goes completely sideways. Yep. So many, many, many times. And it comes back to that word vulnerability for me. 
I'm so afraid to be vulnerable that I don't say what I mean, or I don't say it in a way that is assertive and kind because I'm on the defense trying to protect myself from being hurt. But it never works out that way. I seem to always be doing more harm than good when I get myself in that situation. But I think that's true of everybody. We all need to unlearn some of our fallback behaviors and do things differently. But we don't know that it's a fallback behavior if we never take the time to look at how we respond to things, if we never recognize that the way that we're doing things is actually causing the problem. What if when you're in the heat of the moment, you take that moment to ground yourself before you say something? Will that help? Can you do that? That proverbial counting to 10. Because it will give us time to reflect on the intensity of our emotions. And if those feelings are too intense, chances are we're going to have a hard time being assertive. We're going to just zoom right on into being aggressive. So in that instance, if it's possible, can you walk away from the situation or at least take a mental checkout until you've had time to cool down and clearly think things through? That's not always going to be an option. And as we learn about ourselves more and recognize that self-awareness, maybe we have opportunities to practice that. But there's going to be times where you're on the spot, you need to deal with it right away, and you're not going to have that. And you're just going to have to hope that the right words come out of your mouth. Exercise can be a super helpful way to let off that steam. So if you have that opportunity to get yourself out of the situation until cooler heads prevail, do that. So can journaling, writing it down. If you're stuck somewhere on the 21st floor of a building and you can't get down the elevator, walk around the block and come back, grab a piece of paper and write it all down. Just get it out like a big anger dump. That can often help. If there's somebody around, have a a very quick, just unloading session on them. Give them a heads up, give them the warning. I'm not in a good place right now. I need to have a conversation. I'm super mad. I just need to like, what? And here it is. And then they'll kind of look at you with a stunned expression on their face. You'll turn around and then carry on. And hopefully that will help you to be a little bit more in control when you're having that other conversation. Or if you've got that time again, throw on your headphones, dance away your anger in your living room or in your car, crank the tunes or, or whatever it is that you need to do. It's amazing how vibing to your favorite jam can actually really calm you down get you back into the moment, get you grounded, remind you of how it's important to be constructive and assertive in those situations. And then you can move forward in a positive way. And taking that time out doesn't mean you're avoiding the situation, simply that you're planning to approach it later when after you've done any of those things. And so as a result of that, you can now think more clearly, the chances are you're going to be more successful. That's one way of looking at it. If you're a little bit annoyed, then maybe you don't need to do any of those things. You just need to take a breath. You need to slow it down. And then you can say what you're going to say after you've had a little moment to just think a little bit more clearly and had that basically a moment to soothe yourself. Those deep breaths helps your heart rate to slow down, to help you to also give you some time to think about what it is that you want to accomplish in that moment so that you don't regret saying something that you don't want to, or using a tone or intonation that you might not want to. That's a whole lot of stuff to think about. And each of your circumstances is going to dictate a different approach, but think about those things in advance of hard conversations and it'll help you to be better prepared. So lots of food for thought. That's why we call the podcast what we do, because that's what we're giving you. Lots of food for thought. And it's not easy. 
and we're not trying to tell you that it's easy. We still struggle with this. I am probably the most hot-headed person. I am for sure the most hot-headed person in our department. So yeah, it's it's tough. It's hard, but being human is messy. So, you know, we just got to do the best we can. I don't know if I agree that you're the most hot-headed. I think that you're the most hot-headed in our environment because I can admit to having being very hot-headed in my more vulnerable relationships with my spouse and with my dad in particular, we tend to be a little bit volatile with each other. And on that point, one of the things that I do and people will think, oh, that's really um, feels a bit constructed when you're having a conversation. But for me, when I have difficult conversations that I know I'm going to have with those people that I love, I use that tool of journaling, but I take it and I write down the points that I want to say, and I bring that paper to the conversation. And I go through it point by point because it grounds me and it keeps me calm and it keeps me on track. And I don't end up kitchen sinking and throwing all of the baggage of our relationships into the conversation. So it's just one tool that I use in those difficult conversations. I tend to do better in professional settings, but that's one area that I struggle with. Just food for thought. That's an awesome idea. I think before, I don't want to cut you off, but that's such a good idea. And we know that any of our military members that are listening, we know that you have little notebooks in your pockets. So use them, write down the points that you want to get across, write down the things that you want to say and focus on those things. And like Heather says, don't let all the other crap that might be clouding your judgment enter into that conversation. That might be for another time. That might be something that's never going to get resolved. But if you have it written down and you have those points, you have that focus, it will help you to stay more in control, which is what we want when we're talking about anger. We want to stay in control, right? So awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that, Heather. Yeah. So while I absolutely think addressing anger and working through it with effective communication is ideal, the reality is that it also is not always possible. Sometimes our anger and our frustration are caused by very real and inescapable problems in our lives. Not all anger is misplaced and often it's healthy and it's a natural response to whatever is going on in our lives. There is also a cultural belief that every problem has a solution and it adds to our frustration to find out that that isn't always the case. The best attitude to bring to such a situation then is not to focus on finding the solution but rather on how you manage and face the problem. How do you come to terms with that and not let it impact your health? Letting go means accepting that we cannot change it and choosing our own well-being rather than ruminating on it while the right answer is not always an easy task to undertake. Absolutely. And whether you choose to address it or accept it, make a plan. Check your progress along the way. Resolve to give it your best, but also don't punish yourself if the answer doesn't come right away or, frankly, at all. If you can approach it with your best intentions and efforts and make that serious attempt, that good old college try to face it head on, you'll be less likely to lose patience and fall into that all or nothing thinking, even if the problem doesn't get solved right away or ever. And regardless of whether the situation requires addressing or letting go, we may find ourselves lacking the tools we need to deal with the anger we are feeling. If you find yourself acting in ways that seem out of control or maybe even frightening, you might need help getting to the root of it. 
it's absolutely okay to seek help. You can check out our Managing Angry Moments course where we provide lots of opportunities to identify where we might be taking a wrong turn and ending up with making things worse because we are simply using an ineffective approach. And if there's things that seem like are so ingrained in how you are put together, then maybe managing angry moments while a good tool might not be enough. Maybe it needs to happen in concert with talking to somebody from the mental health department, social work, whatever, to help you to get to the root of those problems. Because again, mad is sad's bodyguard. And it's going to do everything it can to keep that sad, frightened little person that's deep inside all of us from getting hurt. And so if there's some thing that happened long time ago that you haven't addressed, and that's causing you to react in that angry way, then you need to help someone sort that out with you. And our workshop is not going to be enough. It will certainly give you different tools, but we don't want to pretend that we have all of the answers to all of those kinds of challenges that we know that people have. And the last two years have really highlighted for us that there's a lot of stuff that people have just stuffed away and buried. And and these kinds of circumstances just bring it to the surface. And we need to, we need to deal with those if we want to be able to move forward positively. So with all of that, where do we land on anger? Is it good? Is it bad? I think that we can agree that it absolutely can be a good thing when we heed it as that rallying cry that's telling us that something needs to change. It's okay to feel angry. And when we communicate that clearly and assertively, it can be an extraordinarily motivating force that spurs us to action and to deal with situations. Anger is a natural, valid emotion that responds to threats and injustice, and if expressed in a reasonable way, does not harm our health or that of others. And if it's an unsolvable situation, it can also coax us into looking at other ways to maybe let go of that and accept the situation or find some kind of a way to just put it in a box and forget about it. Not that we're encouraging people to bury stuff either. That's not what we're saying either. Maybe what we need to do is just embrace that anger. Maybe do a little soul searching into what it might be protecting, what mad is being the bodyguard to, and start to address that. And as Heather said, we have said a lot lately that it's a good idea to have a therapist on speed dial. Although I did hear a podcast that said, that maybe people are running to that too much and everybody all thinks they need to have a therapist. I'm like, no way, everybody needs a therapist. There's not a single person on this planet who could not stand to have even one or two sessions with someone to just make sure that they're on the right track. People don't need to be in long-term therapy forever, but everybody can benefit from having that really professional, unbiased, third-person objective conversation. So yeah, I totally disagree with, with, I don't even remember which podcast that was, but I might have to leave a comment. Anyway, so much of what we have experienced comes out in our day-to-day transactions and interactions. And when we can get to that root cause and find that and deal with it, well, life just gets a whole lot better. We have two more episodes in season four. They're going to be amazing. One is on inclusivity and doing better at respecting uh, one another. And the last one is on dialogue, which is a topic near and dear to both Heather's and my hearts. We did a communication briefing at the beginning of the pandemic about it. And so hopefully you'll tune in to hear that one. In the meantime, take care, stay healthy, and we'll see you on the flip-flop.